This podcast is brought to you by MetPro, a world-renowned concierge nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle coaching company. Using metabolic profiling, MedPro's team of experts analyze your metabolism and provide an individualized approach to obtaining your goals. From athletes who are looking to increase their performance to people who want to put an end to cookie-cutter diets, MedPro analyzes an individual's metabolism and provides them with a personalized approach to obtaining their health goals. Remember, as a Coaching You listener, you can receive a complimentary metabolic profiling assessment and a 30-minute consultation with a MetPro expert. To claim this offer, head over to metpro.co slash coaching you. Again, that's metpro.co slash coaching you to receive a free assessment and consultation with a MetPro expert. Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and I think you're really going to enjoy today. Dave Smart is the winningest coach in Canada basketball, what they call U sport level, okay? That is our Power Five, our Division One of U.S. basketball. He has only won 13 national championships. His record is only 591 and 48. Put your hands and arms and eyes around that, 591 and 48. This is a master coach. Every summer, the U.S. college teams take uh, international tours. Canada has become the most popular venue because it's so close and it's safe. And so we have all kinds of teams going up there. And boy, oh boy, when they played Carleton, they got themselves a game for the offseason, a lot tougher than they want to. Their record beating teams like Wisconsin and Ole Miss and others, really outstanding. Uh, Doesn't have the players that we had at the Power 5 level, but the man can flat-out coach. You can learn a lot from him. He's got great videos. I think you're really going to enjoy our time with Dave Smart. So after this timeout, we'll get started. Let's hear from one of our latest sponsors, Max One. As you know by now, Max One is the all-in-one coaching app that allows your team to train, communicate, and stay organized all in one easy-to-use spot. With all these useful features for one low price, I can't emphasize enough the value Max One can bring to your program, especially as the summer months heat up and you continue to plan your off-season. I know how hard it is to keep your athletes engaged once summer hits and your team starts to head in different directions. I'm confident Max One can solve these problems for you and keep your program connected to help ensure you run the most effective off-season as possible. Max One allows you to create individualized workouts for each player on your team with videos attached and deliver them right into your athlete's phone, eliminating spreadsheets and paper handouts. And you can then combine these workouts into an entire off-season program tailor-made to fill the weeks leading up to your season so that your athletes stay in the gym all summer long. You can even track your athletes' progress on the Max One leaderboards to see the work your team is putting in, keeping everyone on the team accountable while encouraging a culture of competition. I also love how the calendar feature allows you to keep everyone in your program on the same page. Workouts, schedules, open gym, or tournament games can all be organized via color-coded schedules, ensuring your athletes are in the loop with details on whatever events you have planned this summer. 
To learn more about how Max One can help you run your program this offseason, head to their website at gomaxone.com. That's go, M-A-X, one O-N-E dot com. And schedule a free 15-minute demo with a Max One program specialist. As always, mention that Coach Brendan Sir sent you and receive a special discount if you decide to purchase. Again, visit www.gomaxone.com right now to schedule a free demo. You won't be disappointed. Fast Model Sports is the world's most comprehensive, versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and iPad to providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastPro, they have other great programs such as Fast Scout, which helps coaches create clean, professional scouting reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by all NBA and WNBA teams, 85% of Division I college teams, and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills on their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and I am so honored today to have the best basketball coach maybe in the world as our guest, Dave Smart, the former head coach at Carleton University and now the director of basketball operations at Carleton. Welcome, my friend. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Well, let me ask you, uh, so after winning 13 championships, which is absolutely an incredible thing in virtually 19, 20 years of coaching, why stop? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of reasons. I mean, I, I don't know if I've decided to stop coaching. I mean, in the short term, I certainly have. Uh, um, but 
I mean, there's there's a lot of factors that play into it. The biggest is my family. I, I mean, I, I've I've done the national team for uh, I think 15 years as, as well as our Carlton team. And with our Carlton team, we have we play a U.S. schedule with touring teams all through August, and we've done that for 18 years or so. And then our season goes till mid March. Then the national team. And I I have a six year old and a nine year old son um, who you know, play, play competitive basketball and hockey. And, uh, this year was tough because, uh, you know, I, I just didn't get a lot of time to be around them. And, and then the fact that, you know, I've done a long time at the U sport level, I'd kind of, I would certainly consider being a head coach again, um, at a different level. I don't think I'd go back at the U sport level. Um, but you know, giving back in a different way and, and doing some of the things that, that you're doing, uh, it, it, uh, it seems intriguing to me. Plus, it it allows me to have a a better schedule for my family. I mean, I, I just missed being with my family, and you know, it was tough enough when when I was doing all that stuff when it was just me and my wife. But uh, now, when my kids are are also playing, I'm missing game after game, and and more so even practice after practice. I, mm-hmm. This opportunity came about, and I felt like it was uh, it was time to make that make that jump. And, you know, if 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 a head coaching job. Uh, presented itself that that fit our family and, and fit my situation. I, I'd certainly look at it because I know I'll I'll miss the whole coaching part. Dave, what is the it, it, you know having done this at such a high level for so many years? What is the most important part of coaching in your mind? What do you see the role? Because we have thousands of coaches that are listening to you right now around the world, and what and and at, at some are assistants. Some are head coaches, some at high school, some at college, some even in the pros. What do you feel the role of a coach should be? Well, I mean, I, I think I think the most important thing is trust, without question. I think it's it's trust and caring, and and I think if if your players don't trust you, or if they don't believe that you care. And and caring's a, you know, it's it's a debatable thing. What care? Obviously, you need to care about the individuals, but uh, you have to care about winning if it's a competitive situation. And and you know, you you can make a lot of mistakes if they trust you and they know you care about what they care about, and and that you care about them, obviously. But but the, you also care about what they care about. I mean, you know, I, I've had I've had weeks where. You know, I've I've taken a different approach because I'm a I'm a I push our guys and I and I have high expectations and there's there's been times when I felt like we were struggling and that I was sort of you know a little I don't, I don't want to say beaten up on them but but not not helping their confidence level and taking a step back and tried to be a little bit more positive and I've had my main guys come in and said this isn't what I signed up for this is this is not what i signed up for i signed up to be pushed every day and and uh, you know i mean it was only sort of a week but they 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 started questioning you know how how badly i wanted to win which was never in question at all i was changing the style mostly so that we started playing at a better better level and a better clip and try to change things up a bit but you know i think you can make a ton of mistakes if people trust you and people know you care about them, obviously, but you also care about what they care about, you know, and, and when it comes to sports, like I, I think in this day and age, we get to this point where we're always talking about 
the the big picture and and how much you care about your players. And I, I think we all care about our players. We wouldn't coach if we didn't care about the individuals. But you also have to care as a group about the same thing. You know, if if winning is the goal, then you have to care about winning. You you can't sacrifice things to winning. If if development is the only goal and winning isn't the goal but each player's development and at this level obviously if if that's the case you're probably going to get fired because you're not going to win enough um you know but if if that's like with my six-year-old development is the goal so as long as everybody understands that's the goal and the players understand that then they they can accept some losing because they know that ultimately development is the goal so when i coach my six-year-old it's a little different than when i coach my university team but (laughs) But, uh, but I mean, same push, same, same expectations, just development is the goal as opposed to, to development and winning, um, and playing, which is obviously different with the younger kids than, than the older kids. And, and, uh, but the caring is the same. And when I say trust, I mean, the, the thing about it is where I think most coaches screw up is they're just full of shit. I mean, Plain and simply, they're full of shit, and and they think they can con people by saying one thing and and meaning another, and say saying one thing to one person, one another thing. But it, it all comes out. It all comes out. And once once people start lack lack trust in you, then you're done. I mean, my guys, hey, half of them, half of them don't like me for a good portion of their playing career, but they <laughs> trust me. You know, like and and that's more important than them liking me at that time. Generally, they come around and and. Most, almost all our alumni and I are, are very close. And, and uh, as they get older and they, they appreciate the importance of the trust, they, they, I get along great with almost every single one of them. But, but during time, it would be ideal if they all really, really like me, but it's more important that they trust me. Why do you think Canada basketball has had this incredible rise of – I, I think it's it's never been higher. Uh, you know, I, I've made a statement in the last couple of years that the best high school basketball players in North America might be in Toronto, metro area. Uh, give me your thoughts on why. Well, I, I've I've got my theories, and I think there there there's a number of reasons behind my theories i mean number one the raptors i mean the 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 starting of the raptors is 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 huge i mean a a lot of people give credit to to vince carter and i and i do too i mean i think the way he played and the excitement he brought certainly drew a lot of uh kids into the sport and and uh and drew a ton of notice now i don't want to take anything away from what he brought to it but i do think that if it wasn't him someone else would have been that guy you know, I mean, it, whether it was a Giannis or a, like that type of guy, uh, you know, uh, there's 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 other guys who 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 could have uh, sort of caught a nation and, and brought a nation along. I, I think, you know, as the years have gone on, the coaching's gotten better and better. And I think we we in Canada live in a world where and, and you see it in stages you see, like Toronto right now. They're, they're they're in a great place because they've got a ton of grassroots coaches who take it seriously and and want to develop the kids and and development is the key and and they're doing it all for the right reasons but you can see it moving in a direction where i don't want to be too negative about it but the the aau direction where the, the kids are getting dragged to different places and not because of good coaching and not because of good development it's all about exposure 
which is ironic because the bigger the scope of the game and the internet and everything comes into play, it's it becomes less and less difficult to be to get the exposure you need if you're really good. So so everybody's using exposure as their as their carrot to get kids to leave other teams where they're developing to come play for teams where it's just exposure and there's no development. And that's starting to hurt some of the players. But we're in a good place right now and it's small enough right now that we can control it a little bit with center of performance and like a, a center of excellence, things like that out of Toronto, out of Canada basketball. And, and, uh, and that's allowing these great athletes because it's it, there there's so many great athletes in the city it's a huge city with a, with a ton of ton of athletes and and uh, it's allowing those athletes to develop the way they need to whereas in some places in the states kids can't stay on a team for more than two months before they get uh, talked into playing for another team yeah there's just no development there so so these kids are are great talents and they play a ton of basketball but they as i say to my nine-year-old hockey team if i call you talented it's my nice way of telling you i think you stink (laughs) (laughs) if i say you're good it means you're good but if i say you're talented it means you could have been good but you stink and i think because of the way it's set up the aau stuff and, and i think it will get better now with all the stuff going on in terms of the court, like I think it'll get back to being better in in the U.S., where it'll be more controlled and there will be better development around it, and people won't be jumping ship and going all over the place, and and money won't fully control it. Money will always control it to a certain level, but it it just kills the kids. It it just means there's going to be more. Like until that gets under control, there's going to be a lot of talented kids, not a ton of good good players just a lot of talented ones and and that that has to be fixed and i think toronto's kind of moving in that direction because i see i'm in ottawa where we're now kind of 10 years behind toronto which is great for the kids because they're there's a ton of talent but they're also developing now there's not as much talent but they're they're the developmental model is a little easier because it's it's easier to control in a smaller city uh <clears throat> the national team this year, uh, this summer, you know, will compete in the World Cup. They've now changed it instead of World Championships uh, for me- senior men's team. Uh, and we have so many Canadian national uh, NBA players, I'm sorry. And the interesting, and then, of course, you know, we have R.J. Barrett, uh, whose dad is GM of the team, uh, you know, that, are, you know, played at Duke and was uh, a terrific player and will be a very, very high draft choice. How do you foresee them making that next step uh, now as they go into playing against the best teams in the world and, of course, in China? I think they're going into a situation where where they're set up to have great success. I mean, again, it's not a whole lot different than any league around the world that, that I say that with a little trepidation in that that sometimes you have to lose in order to win. And that might be the case because it is a, it it is a different game than the NBA game and the international game. There's a lot of factors that come into it. So sometimes you do need to lose in order to win. But I think if there was ever a case and a team that might not have to lose in order to win, it is this group because Canada basketball has done a really good job of preparing these kids for the international game. They, they, the guys who are in the NBA, most of them have 
grown up playing in FIBA events and playing playing against a lot of international teams and and being taught both the 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 North American style and the the European style of basketball and the and the game is moving more toward the European style with so many threes anyway that that that's helped so I'm not sure the game is as different as it may have been 10 years ago in terms of style of play right. and I think athletically I mean we're 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 going to be better than 95% of the teams. I mean, we're not going to be better than the U S but athletically, but I don't know how many other teams are going to be better athletically than we are. And, and our youth could hurt us, but you know, our youth could help us uh, it, because you play, you play so many games in such a short period of time. If you've got depth and you've got youth, you tend not to, to become as worn out physically. Now, mentally it's a, it's a, that's a different animal. And that's where the, the need to maybe lose to, in order to win could come in. But I think if any country or team is set up to not have to go through those growing pains of losing to win, it, it would be ours because most of our top level guys have played a ton of international basketball. And as of, as we're recording here in early May, you know, basically we have not still named a head coach yet. Am I right? Yeah, so they they still haven't named a, yeah. a head coach. I yeah. think I think uh, they're looking internationally. They're looking uh, uh, within the country, but they're they're. I think Rowan's uh, trying to see where 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 he can find the best fit. Yeah, I've always felt that that's the biggest thing. Uh, if we you know we want to establish uh, you know consistency, so to speak, on a national basis. I thought the U.S. was terrible at it for years. Uh, every four years, we'd have a new guy and come in, and there was never any continuity. And then finally, you know, when Jerry Colangelo took over as quote unquote head of it, and then he brought in Coach K to coach it for a long period of time. At least there was some consistency. And for the first time, we didn't pick an all star team, so to speak. When Chuck and I and uh, had the dream team in '92, we they picked a year and a half in advance the team. By the time the games came around, three of the players were hurt, and right. you know, and and two of them also had terrible years going into it. They would have made the team. Now I think, and I think Canada basketball has done the same thing. They're kind of picking. I don't know if they'll do it for this season, but we're we pick a pool of thirty national team players in the U.S. now to come, and then they'll select the twelve from there, which I think has made it a lot better because it's fluid as who gets better and who doesn't get better over the course of seasons. Correct. Yeah. Without question. I think that's, that's the route Canada's taken and, and they've got a, they've got a good pool of athletes in it. And I really do think that, that uh, especially in our country and, and places like Spain and, and some of the other uh, high level countries other than the U S you know, we got to be careful how, how we pick our team because, because there's, there's some Euroleague guys who might be better as our 11th, 12th guy um, because they'll they'll accept the role and, and be happy in the role and are so <laughs> close to being NBA-level guys anyway that the, com- the combination of knowing the European game, knowing the European players, being happy in the role, and, and, and being just better in that role um, it might be a better pick than having a NBA player who's 11th, 12th man, who's not going to be happy about not getting minutes because they're, they're still going to be the 11th, 12th man. And if they don't play, you know, it's not like the U S where 
the eleventh, twelfth man plays a ton because in in ninety percent of the games because of their blowouts. We're right. we're gonna be in games. Our pool's pretty tough. So those guys won't won't play. I mean, not because they're not good, just because there's ten guys better than them and, and if they're they're coming in out of the NBA and expecting to get a ton of minutes and they don't, it's it's not gonna help the team. And and when they get on, they're probably not going to be happy with their role and you know maybe that's not the case but I, th- I do think it's important that picking a team is is a priority not picking the 12 best individu- individuals I, I, I think you're 100 percent correct on that uh you worked with jay triano who's a dear friend and was you know and uh, a terrific coach uh and and you also worked with my buddy leo routens who was such a great player and has if I had his looks and his voice, man, I'll tell you what, I'd be the national team coach in the U.S., boy. I'll tell you, he is fabulous. Uh, what was it like working with, uh, let's say, someone like Jay? Well, with Jay, it was – I had a great relationship with him. I mean, Jay, yeah. Jay and I, for whatever reason, uh, hit it off from the start, and, and he's – and. You know, we, we just had a relationship that we could say whatever we wanted, which, you know, and, and Jay's, Jay's so confident and, and, you know, accepting of, of any feedback that he put up with my crap when I, <laughs> when I went on my rants about why I thought something was stupid and, and, uh, and he just, he, he, he listened, gave his opinion and, and, you know, we, we became really really close friends from our experience together i mean he's just he's a great coach and mm-hmm. he and he and he's a student of the game and he loves the game and he, he he i mean guaranteed all he's doing right now is watching the game all day i mean he he's one of those basketball guys he just is is a junkie and he loves it but he's more importantly as a person you know you, you gain his trust and you can have you can have any conversation you want with him and, and that makes it easy as an assistant so that you're not, you're not trying to figure out how to get your message across and, and how to, to have the coach sort of not be sensitive about it and also take it, take it the way you want them to take it in terms of uh, taking it seriously with Jay. You know, I, I never took a second. My, my last five, five years with Jay, there was never a minute where I go, okay, how do I want to approach him on this? It was mm-hmm. just, you know what, this is what I think. I'm going to tell him. And if he thinks it's stupid, he's going to tell me he thinks it's stupid. If he likes it, he's going to try it. And we'll just go with that. Yeah, I, and, I think that's the ultimate. Re- that's the trust you want between coaches, right? Right, right. Respectful and, as assistant. A, a big difference between head coach and assistant, obviously. Assistants, we always have the answers, right? Uh, right. And, and uh, I remember one night uh, we were beating the Lakers, just kicking their butt, and I'm talking to Chuck every, daily every minute. And, and all of a sudden, like two nights later, we're up in Portland getting our ass kicked, and, and Chuck said, Look, quiet tonight, huh? <laughs> I had no ideas. We were down 25. A little quiet tonight, buddy, huh? You know, and that's the rapport you have to have. And, and I always say, you know, as an assistant, be respectful in the tone that you speak to the head coach. You know, don't say, I once worked with a guy that, you know, got actually pissed off and the head coach wouldn't listen to him. Like, you know, like, how dare, you know, and there's like, in the NBA now, you look down the bench, there's more assistant coaches than there are players, you know, and every one of them wants a voice, but I I find it interesting. Dave, when, uh, this is one of the fascinating things about coaching to me at high levels. The very best players I've ever coached, for the most part, that 
and that they're great offensive players. But then when they become coaches, all of a sudden they think defense is the most important thing. And I couldn't get the guy to guard anyone when he was playing for me, you know. And it's so funny. Now you, my friend, are one of the best scorers in the history of basketball in Canada. But you're an incredible defensive coach. Explain, please. Yeah, I, I, I've been asked that a lot, and I and I don't really, uh, I don't really know why. It just sort of, I like winning. And, you, I was just going to say, you probably want to win, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you know, if you, if you like winning, then you have to you have to defend. And 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 I, I mean, I haven't sort of changed my feeling about the offensive game. We we still try to run, and we still try to. We, we we score a ton of points, but but it's all based on what we do defensively. And um, I, I think you know I was a bit. Of, uh, my ex coaches probably would say not a bit is uh, a little understating it. I was a pain a, a pain at times uh, as a player. So and I think I think when you are a pain as a player, that when you become a coach, you have a better idea of what's going on in the heads of the players who are a pain and that allows you to actually have real conversations with them and, you know, get somewhere with them and the kids who aren't a pain, you really don't need to know what's going on in their head because they're going to do what you ask them to do anyway. And I, and I think some of the people who struggle in coaching and, and understanding what's going wrong with their team are the, the ones who, who are like hard working, like a, coach says this i'll do this and then they get some talented guys who aren't good yet but they're talented and they've got a bad attitude or a weird attitude and they have no idea how to deal with them because they have no idea what's going on in their head for me as i say to my guys who are pain i go listen these things all cross my mind too so it's not like i'm talking to someone where i have no idea what you're thinking i was thinking the same things (laughs) and it cost me so I'm trying to get you to not have it cost you. And, and so it's easier to relate, and I, and I think it's helped. But the offense-defense thing is a funny thing because, uh, again, a lot of them, it, it, it's, it's a case of, for me, I just want to win. And, and honestly, I think it still comes from, from wanting to score as many points and if you, as possible as a coach, just like as a player. And I think it's a whole lot easier to score in transition than it is to score in the half court. And the only way you can get in transition is if you uh, if you get stops. Right. The the, the real irony for me as a player, as opposed to a coach, is that as a player, I really didn't care to rebound, and that is everything I talk about on both ends of the floor with our team. Is 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 dominating the boards and getting more shots on, on both ends of the floor and, and taking away their transition by making them so fearful of our offensive rebounding that they don't even think about transitioning against us because they're worried about getting defensive rebounds and, and taking that approach to it. And that that's the one where they're like, the defense leads to transition offense, which I like. The rebounding, especially the, at the defensive end, I mean – if if I didn't have to rebound defensively, I was happy not to rebound defensively. I mean, offensively you can get you can score a little bit off that, mm-hmm. but defensively and and that's the one where I find really ironic is it's it's polar opposite of what I did as a player. <laughs> but uh, we we put a ton of focus on it. Every one of our drills, it, it, you you can win probably eighty percent of our drills in practice 
by just winning the offensive re- rebounding uh, battle as opposed to actually scoring. How about just because of our point systems. And, you know, from a standpoint, uh, so much of what you're saying is resonating so strongly with me because when I was uh, coaching the Pistons with Chuck Daly, uh, he said, guys, we only emphasize two things here. And I'm like sitting there like waiting, like, okay, this is like, this is now my learning. I'm going <laughs> to learn now from my guy here. He says, we, we do two things every day. We're going to defend and we're going to rebound. And I think, what about these plays, Chuck? You know, don't worry about plays. We don't have to convince Isaiah Thomas and those guys to shoot and yeah. stuff like that. That's that. Don't worry. But if we can get him to defend, defend and rebound, we're going to be really good. And and that's all he would ever talk about with them. I, and and he is the most genius offensive mind I've ever been around. How about that? Yeah. And and it showed. It showed how they played. Yeah, and and they were physical. They were tough and. I'll be honest with you. We didn't do things like I, I wish I could tell you. Oh, we did these drills that made them tough. No, that's that was their DNA, right? That was who those right. guys were. But he emphasized things they wanted to do. Plus, they knew they were very, very smart guys. They also knew that that's how you win the NBA. When you don't have the most talent, you better do those other things. Your philosophy to me seems a lot like our friend Tom Izzo's at Michigan State. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I've never actually been into one of his practices, so I, I don't. Yeah, I, and I've never talked to him, so I don't. I don't know. I mean, the style that they play. Uh, I mean, certainly, certainly, the the rebounding and quarter court defense are. It seems very similar in terms of yeah. uh, what the expectations are and what what they do. I mean, we we at our level, we we pressure a lot more. Um, only because, well, especially now because we we've also got we've uh, we've been able to get some pretty good athletes, so we want to extend the floor and the twenty four second shot clock. There's so many ways to pressure now um, to use to use the shot clock to your advantage, whether whether you're attacking in your pressure or just uh, making them run some shot clock and making them play with less time on the shot clock in the in the quarter court. So we we pressure a lot more. And you know, I, again, I think I think he started they're starting to run more now and and we we do try to do most of our stuff offensively off transition and off spacing. So so but certainly in the quarter court and the rebounding facet, I, I think are very similar mentalities. Okay, you just uh tipped something on my uh brain cells here of a very big part of my philosophy uh in the u.s as you know uh high school we have no shot clock and we also in college basketball uh we're we have a 30 second clock and we're the only uh to my knowledge the only league in the world men's basketball in the u.s college basketball that has two halves not four quarters uh Canada basketball, is it totally, would you say, FIBA rules, or is there a little hybrid in there? It's a little hybrid, but right. mostly. It's pretty much gone fully. Okay, fully so that FIBA means we have a 24-second clock. Is it the same as FIBA, eight seconds to get the ball across the timeline? Yep. Okay, yep. which I think is phenomenal. Uh, uh, let's see, what a, what other distinctions do we have that you were playing four quarters Yes, four quarter, four ten minute quarters, and yeah. and and we and we reset to fourteen on the on the O board, just like the NBA. Yep, and and you know, and and so when 
the the youngsters, and I say this little tongue in cheek, the the youth basketball. When do they start using the twenty four second clock in Canada? I uh, it it changes uh, league to league. I mean the 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 governing bodies I think uh, have have things set in place, but a, a lot of the a lot of the kids at the highest level don't necessarily play in the governing body leagues. They play in sort of higher level leagues, but but most of them by grade seven are are using the shot clock. I mean it, at this point, I think that'll as as people get the funds to to be able to buy those clocks that that'll increase year to year uh, it's 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 kind of still a work in progress to to try to have enough money to to have shot clocks in enough places to to make it consistent within each league but uh, most of the grade 7 things at the highest level they they have a shot clock and and some of them change the shot clock to 30 some of them keep it at 24 it it, it varies i mean Canada basketball of of their set of rules, but like I said, it's it's kind of like the U.S. with uh, AU. Uh, you know, it's it's not necessarily that those set of rules don't dictate every every league that plays. So uh, okay, so uh, you know, you have these kids in Canada, and and we have these tremendous athletes in the U.S. Okay, and uh, don't and the kids seem to no matter what adapt to these rules, correct? Without question. Now, you know, I mean, I, I do think <coughs> that these rules, I, I, I think they need to be adapted to the age, too. I, I don't I do necessarily too. think 24 seconds is a, is a good time for all age groups. I think no, it's too, I agree it's with too that. fast for, for younger age groups, and it takes away from from a lot of skill development. And, and I don't mean skill development as in dribble, dribble, pass, shoot. I mean skill development in terms of understanding the game and understanding how to make reads, and they're going to be slower making making reads off screens, make get to their spacing properly, things like that. And, and everybody says, "Well, the faster shot clock gets their their skills up, get their skills up in practice." They they need to learn how to to make good reads and and play the game properly. And and nine year olds can't can't do that in 20 no seconds. i don't think would you recommend it i mean but you think uh like from uh you know fi- f- at least 15 16 years old they should be able to do it of course right yeah i think i think i think the last maybe i mean again it's, it's debatable when but i think i think you can go 24 30 35 and and uh, the younger they are the the long sure the shot clock and, sure and the older they are the whether you when, whether you bring it in at 16 or gotcha. or 15, I mean, I guess you, you need to bring it in, you know, in enough time so that they've played a couple of years before they get to, to university or to the NBA. That was, my, that was why I was saying that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I'm in total agreement on that. And I, I just think Jay Billis, uh, who's a, a really good player, but he's really one of the smartest minds we have on TV and in the U.S., his big thing, Jay, uh, is that he believes it leads to young people learning to make quick dis- and good decisions with the basketball by playing at that pace. And and your thoughts on that? I agree. I personally agree with him. Yeah, I I do think having a shot clock makes them make those quick decisions and and makes them do it at a faster pace. And I'm really talking college age. I'm really talking. I'm really talking at the college age. Yes. Yeah, but 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 I do think at certain ages, it it, it turns into a rush. You know, like it, yeah. if you've got 
10 year olds trying to do it in 24 seconds, they, 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 they do learn to make decisions in that time. I'm not sure they yeah. learn to make good yeah. decisions. I think, I, I I think should... if they're given a little bit more time, they're still forced to make quick decisions. They're not allowed to just hold the ball, but they don't, they don't have to necessarily make bad decisions instead of just making decisions. Yeah, and really, I, I should have said better. Uh, really, I was talking about university age, college without age. question. Yes. Yeah, that's what I really mean. You know, I think that. Yeah. Now, Dave, you 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 released this year for the first time uh, some videos and basically opening up, giving all access to your program and to showing your philosophy and stuff like that. Now, most coaches are damn paranoid about showing anything they do and stuff. Why do you do it? Well, I mean, I think first of all, I think I'm, I am paranoid and, and uh, I'm like everybody else. But I, I also, I also don't think unless you're you're there every day that seeing what we do is is much different than actually being able to teach it. And and sure. I, I do I did want to sort of Chris Chris was on me about it and, and <laughs> about about sort of. Uh, showing people what our practices are like and what what uh what we emphasize and 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 the competition facet in it and the the mental side of it and the communication side of it you know the the technical side you know we 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 showed what we did but but unless you're there in all our meetings unless you're there watching film with the team what you see in that two hours and 15 minutes you see i'm i'm big and now that i coach uh, little kids hockey we're you know, an hour of ice time is only 50 minutes. I, I've yep. been on the coaches about the fact that 90% of our talking to the team needs to be done before and after practice because we only have 50 minutes. And I feel the same way with the, with basketball. We, we, gym time is gold, whether it's two hours and 15 minutes, whether it's an hour and a half, whatever it is, but we're not, I don't want, I don't want to waste that time. So the only person talking to the team in, in that time is me and the, and I'm making a read whether, I need to be doing a ton of talking and whether they need to rest because one of the drills was, was difficult. So we're, we're talking while they're resting, but I don't want to waste any time. So most of the really sort of technical stuff that, that we do with the kids, we do in film or we do in talking before or after practice, or we do in our coaches meetings. Once we get into practice, a lot of the stuff that that's being taught is it's repetition and then players being taken aside one-on-one to be told what they did wrong in that drill. And again, what people can get out of it, they can see what we do, but unless you're there all the time or unless you, you can see beyond just what's what happened in that two hours and 15 minutes, I'm not sure how much, how much I have to be paranoid about. You, You gotta, you gotta understand how to coach it as opposed to just knowing what you're doing. Uh, Dave, one of the uh, things that when my son, when I was coaching the Pistons and I, my son, I think it was maybe in a 12 year old area, he told me one day, you know, we, we, we just believed in any sport he wanted to play. Let's try it. You know? So he comes home one day and he says, uh, I want to play hockey. And I said, hockey, what? Come on. You know, you're, it's basketball. Is it? So anyway, he played travel team hockey and I, saw 60 freaking youth hockey games in one year and i'll tell you what i took them to practice 
I just loved it. And the thing that impressed me the most was that 50 minutes to an hour of practice time, it totally changed my philosophy of practice. Because I said, right. I see how much they can do in an hour. We were going way too long. And I agree, right. I agree 100%. I absolutely agree with that. You know, hey, Dave, if, if, if coaches, and they really should, want to get any of your uh, materials, uh, you know, your videos or anything like that, uh, or uh, how, how can they get that, first of all? Well, just through Basketball Immersion and uh, Dave Smart Basketball. From Chris Oliver at Basketball yeah, Immersion? But, but okay. Chris Oliver at Basketball Immersion. And how about, it, how about if some of our friends from around the country and the world would love to ask you if you would come in and uh, speak to them, uh, is there a w- best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, probably just my email, dave.smart at carlton.ca. Carlton, C-A-R-L-E-T-O-N. Okay. Fantastic. That that would be great. And uh, it's one of those opportunities, coaches, where I think, you know, the, this coaching you has always been about learning, taking yourselves to the next level. And Dave, this has been a true honor to talk to you. And, uh, and I have been a long time, as they say, a long time follower and, uh, and, and appreciate what you've done. And uh, to have you on our podcast is truly a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Well, I, I appreciate you having me. I mean, uh, you say it's an honor. It's more of an honor for me to to be asked to to go on this with you. I, I mean, uh, I, I've I followed your career and and uh, that now even the stuff with basketball or coaching you through Chris. Uh, you know, it's impressive what you've given to the game. And uh, I mean, when when uh, when you contacted me, it was uh, I was very honored by the fact that you you would take the time to have me on. So thank you. Oh, you're most welcome, Dave. And we're just getting started, folks. <laughs> just getting started. Dave Smart is an incredible coach and someone that I've just had incredible interest in over the years. And I'm telling you, one of the very best. Study his videos, try to get a hold of him. You're going to learn. One of the things that I really, uh, as I travel around the world and get an opportunity to talk to different people, they just pique my interest in what can I get? What can I pick up? One, One or two things that can I do to get better? Uh, as we're in that time of season now, Kevin Eastman always calls this the on season, the on season for us to learn. And so right now we are in a fever pitch. Our podcasts are rolling, our plays of the week we're recording and setting up. But more importantly, a lot of coaches have just uh, texted me in the last few weeks, Coach, I want to get some videos. Sure, go on there, coach you, coaching you TV. And you can pick up all kinds of videos at some great prices. So until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Serve.